Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Sports Virus Podcast, everybody. I'm Joe Castellano. Well, today's guest is a legend in the sports broadcasting industry, the great director from CBS Sports, Bob Fishman, who just finished his 40th Final Four, and now he has retired after so many years, not only covering the NCAA tournament, but also the NFL, Major League Baseball, the Olympics, you name it, Bob was there over the last 50 years as a director. Here's a conversation that we had on Thursday with Bob Fishman. And here he is, Bob Fishman, who just retired after doing, what, 40 Final Fours? Bob, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, first of all, has it all sunk in that uh, you know you finished up after all of those years uh, covering not only the Final Four, but all of the other sports, including NFL? Yeah, it's... Uh it sunk in a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I've, I've known this was going to happen for the whole year. And um, it was very emotional, obviously, and uh, I've come to terms with it. Um, I will say that I'm not uh, completely retiring. Um, I'm going to do some other stuff. Uh, I've already had a few offers to do some sports and non-sports stuff, and uh, we'll see. You know, at, at least now I get to pick and choose what I want to do. So, uh, yeah, but uh, it was it took a while, and uh, reflecting back on it now, I'm, I'm prepared for it, and it's kind of sunk in that, hey, <laughs> no more paychecks after next week. <laughs> <laughs> How emotional was it for you, uh, you know, especially when they rolled that piece of tape uh, as a tribute to your career at CBS and covering the Final Four? It looked like it was very emotional. Yeah, I, I kind of lost it at the end there. Um I didn't even know they had put a camera uh, in the truck, which I couldn't see. I had no idea they were going to do this. I, I, I thought, you know, Jim would obviously say something about me, you know, near the end of the game or at halftime, but the way it came down was crazy. So I had a camera meeting, and um, it was scheduled to be, you know, on the uh, on the arena floor uh, well, about three hours before air. And the guys are telling me, no, Bob, we got to go upstairs to the second floor for the meeting. And I said, no, 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 we're going to do it right here because we had just finished rehearsing the uh, player introductions. So they kept saying to me, no, we got to go up to the second floor. Well, I was adamant about having it right where we were. And the reason they were telling me that is that they didn't want me to get any idea because Jim Nance, who rehearsed with us for the intros, he was on his way back to the TV truck to do the voiceover of the piece that they cut, you know, on my career. So they were like in a panic because they thought maybe I would, you know, hear it or see Jim leaving. And so it all worked out. And so Jim goes back to the truck. He does the voiceover. I had no idea they were doing this. And my crew, you know, they, they breathe a sigh of relief because nobody spilled the beans. So now we're in the truck and it's halftime and um, we have this little thing called a bridge segment, which is the... It's like a, a, a two-minute thing before we go to a commercial or run a promo, and then we come back and do a little analysis of the first uh, half, and then we, we begin again for the uh, for the second half. So I'm in the truck, uh, and, you know, I turn to Mark Wolf um, and our AD, Brian uh, Jugot, and I said, uh, what are we doing here? And they said, uh, you're just going to roll uh, 
the laser machine. That's we call machines different names, but you're going to just roll a laser machine. I said, okay, well, I'm going to start with an aerial and put the score in. I will roll it. And I said, what is it? And they said, it's just a promo. I said, okay, which is normal because we run a lot of promos and have time to get you know get rid of them so we don't have to deal with them at the second half. And so I said. Uh, okay, so I'm going to start. No, 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 no. Don't do anything. Just roll the just roll the machine. Everything is on there. And I never thought that they were like that. Something was a surprise was coming. I had no idea. So we come out of commercial, and I roll the machine, assuming it's going to be a promo. <laughs> and then I see the back of my head, which starts it off of an aerial shot, and <laughs> that's when I knew that, that what they had done, and you know, coming out of it. Was a, they had hidden the camera in the truck to, to get my reaction, and everybody standing up and applauding, and, you know, I just completely lost it. I, I couldn't speak, you know, tears in my eyes, and, you know, if you saw the shot, you know, I just kind of held my head. I, di- I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react. I wasn't going to look at the camera, and uh, that was it, so... And then I had to, you know, after all that, now i got to go do the second half. And I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? And uh, But you quickly, you know, you just quickly adapt and, and go on. And then I kind of blocked it all out and did my job. And then, of course, um, with a, about a minute left in the game, our production manager uh, found my wife and my boys and my brother and brought them into the TV truck so they could be there when we rolled uh, One Shining Moment. And, um, it was it was great. It was a great weekend, a great evening. The Saturday night game was spectacular. Uh, and then uh, Monday night was uh, as good as it gets. Um, we were so afraid we were going to be looking at a blowout early, but then Kansas made their run, and it was came down to what could have been a tying three you know, at the end. So... Very happy with it, and uh, it was a good way to good way to go out. Yeah, those are the moments that you live for, right? I mean, everybody in the business, but you know, especially as a director, because when you have a last second shot like that, and there's all that drama, and you have to make sure that you capture it in the right way. Sure. Yeah, I mean, that's what directors live for. At least, certainly, I, I live for. And you know, going back through my career, there have been so many of those moments. My goodness, you know, eighty three, eighty seven. Uh, all of them. Chris Jenkins, uh, the butler banging, uh, clanging it off the front of the rim, Gordon Hayward shot, which would have beaten Duke. And then, um, yeah, and, you know, if um, if we had an overtime, that would have been even a greater thing than just uh, having a great finish. But um, then following that, you know, I've got to make sure I've got my cameras isolated on the benches, on the coaches, on the celebration, and, and um, you know, the winners and losers, as we call it, on every show we do. So, um, you know, everybody's on the same page. We go over those um, those game-winning situations um, in every camera meeting we do, whether it's football, basketball, or, or any sport for that matter. You know, of course, it's so different now than it was in 1983 when Jim Valvano was running around the court for NC State. You have more cameras and everything. But I wondered, did you yeah. learn something from that moment early on so long ago that you maybe took with you for those dramatic-type moments? Uh, yeah, what I learned was trust your crew because the Valvano shot was actually, uh, it wasn't a mistake, but it was not planned for because, you know, I will always have a camera isolated on both benches. And uh, it's generally a group shot of all the players jumping up and down and celebrating or, you know, being distraught after they've lost. And instead, 
instead of staying on that bed shot, and Valvano was not in the shot, but my cameraman on, on that uh, saw the moment and saw out of the corner of his eye Valvano break away from the bench, and he 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 went there, and it was instinct. It was the right thing to do, and so that was not planned. That was just came out of an isolated bench shot, and. Um, you know, and then we caught that moment. But uh, sometimes directors get credit, and they shouldn't get credit. That was all his doing. His name was Jeff Pollock. He passed away sadly a year ago. Um, so, you know, directors like to take a lot of uh, praise, but uh, anybody who was honest would tell you, without a without a great crew and a crew that understands the moment, um, you know, things don't happen. I was going to say the comfort level that you have with your people. Uh, you know, the camera people, graphics, audio, tape, everybody that's involved. How important is that when you're putting on a big-time broadcast like the Final Four or the Super Bowl or something like that? No, it's everything. You know, without everybody doing their job to the to the utmost. Um, and then you, if, if you don't have those people who you trust and who have done it before, um, then you have nothing. And it, and it goes for any sport. Um I trust these these men and women. They've been with me. Most of them have been with me for oh my god, at least ten to fifteen, maybe twenty years, and um, a lot of them are the same crew I have on the NFL, and uh, so they they know what's going on. They I trust them completely, and uh, that makes my job a, a lot easier. I can just concentrate on cutting the shots and you know making sure I'm on the right uh, tape replay and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, crews are everything. Yeah, and the person sitting next to you, the technical director, in this case it was Mike Tiffy, uh, that person really has to be in lockstep with you because everything you say, that person is putting on the air. It's a massive operation. I mean, I probably had upwards of 30 cameras. A lot of those were robotic cameras over the backboards, uh, you know, all over the arena, under the stanchion of the baskets for those uh, cool, uh, you know, um, low post shots. But Mike is uh, Mike is a great technical director, great one. And um, you know, I, I I work with so many. He's he's one of the best of, I've ever worked with in my career. He does the uh, main uh, NFL game, and um, he has bailed me out on a number of occasions. You know, sometimes, you know, I will mistakenly maybe go to want to go to one camera and and. Um, and he will <laughs> he'll correct it because <laughs> it, it, in fact when we roll that when we roll that uh, that piece um he's the one who took over because he's the one who went to the camera of of me after the uh, <laughs> the emotional tribute piece because I normally would go to a wide shot and go to commercial. He's the one who took that camera. I never, I couldn't even say anything. I was so choked up at that point. And I've always said this, and I've said this a million times. If everybody in the front of the truck, Mark Wolf, our producer, uh, our AD, Brian Jagoda, our tape replay uh, uh, producer, Ryan Galvin, if all of us collapsed, Mike Tiffy could keep the show going on on the air. Mike <laughs> Tiffy would be a terrific director if he chose to go to the production route. But um, yeah, I mean, he's everything to me. The relationships that you have, I mean, I, I'm going to get to announcers in a moment. But first, you mentioned Mark Wolf being the producer, and for so many years, you worked with Bob Dikas right. on the Final Four in college basketball. Uh, tell us about just you know the difference. You and Mark work NFL as well, so you're together so many events, so many days. Uh, you know, tell us about that relationship. 
Well, we're as close as uh, brothers. You know, um, we, we've done everything together for the last number of years. Uh, Mark is a brilliant guy. He really is in charge of the broadcast. You know, he does a, 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 a format for every show we do. We discuss it. He asks me my opinion. I tell him my opinion. He trusts me. I trust him. And when he's calling replays, I know it's the it's the right angle. And um, I also have the ability to you know wave him off because I'm not ever going to miss live action, and if I can help it. And uh, he understands that. And uh, we've never had a crossword between us in all of these years. And uh, you know, I mean, listen, I love him like a brother, and, and that's the hard the hard thing about you know leaving um, is that. Uh, I'll probably get to work with them on some other things. I mean, we've had some offers to do NBA. I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. And we're as close as can be outside of our working life because our our lives parallel so much. Um, you know, we <laughs> it's so fun. we both have twins. You know, Mark has more more kids than I do, but we <laughs> both have twins. Um, you know, we, we, we married uh, girls who. His wife, Lisa, worked at CBS for many years, and I met my wife, who was doing an audition for CBS. So, um, yeah, I mean, our relationship is it couldn't be better. It's like family, when you think about it. I mean, everybody yeah. that you mentioned, uh, when you're around them for so many years, it's not like you just, you know, jump into a truck and, and here are these new people. I mean, you get to yeah. know them so well. <clears throat> yeah, they're a family, and, and that's the hard part for me. It's just, you know, the crew, Mark, Brian, all the guys that I work with, the announcers, and, you know, the fact, let's, on football, for example, um, I'm sad that I'm not going to work with uh, Ian Eagle. I'm sad that I'm not going to work with Charles Davis. And I'm sad I'm not going to work with Jim and, and uh, you know, Bill Raftery and, and Grant Hill. I mean, um, we had a lot of cheery moments um, at our little after party, and, you know, I'm, I'm hugging everybody, and, um and realizing that, yeah, I'm going to see them again. I'm not sure I'll work with all of them again. But, um, you know, Joe, I'm 52 years at CBS and 47 in sports. It's kind of like, uh, all right, <laughs> time to move on and <laughs> be home for holidays and see our, our boys. One lives in L.A. and working in L.A. One lives in New York, working in New York. So it's really been hard the last few years um, not being there for every event that I wanted to be yeah, you know, I'm missing when they were in high school, missing some of their basketball games and uh, and, and missing their college moments together. And um, although I did make a couple of Father's Day weekends where I got completely wasted. So, <laughs> 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 but I'll have more of those uh, times with with my family, which is, you know, more important than any anything. You know, some of the talent that you mentioned there, uh, the thing that I really admire about all of them, including Jim Nance, is that they don't panic under pressure. I mean, that's what I always get from watching Greg Gumbel every week on NFL games is just how calm and cool he is. Is that something that is sort of the common thread for you when you're around them? Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to work with all of them. I mean, Jim is the consummate professional. I don't have to tell you that. And uh, Grant Hill is a pleasure and knows the game so well. And and, and Raph is just so funny to be around and is... His little um, comments, you know, man to man, and you know, uh, <laughs> right. onions and all that stuff, and we're cracking up in the truck. That's the great thing about these guys. We have fun. We don't take it seriously. You know, we're serious about our work, and they're serious about their commentary. But we also are able to have those um, those fun moments, and 
in football, there's nobody funnier than, than Ian Eagle, and he makes every shot that I take, if, if it's not necessarily, you know, a play in the game, maybe it's something in the crowd, or maybe it's something funny that happens on the field, and he just makes it work. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, they're all calm, professional. Um, there's never a crossword between us. You know, at, they, you know, listen, they get... Uh, they they have moments where they have to be serious, but they also have time and they have room to make it a pleasure to listen to, and and that's what we strive for. You know, just uh, hope the audience just enjoys their commentary and our pictures. I'm curious how you dealt with all the changes in the business. I, you know, I mentioned a lot more cameras, but it's not just that. Because when I first got in to the business back in the 80s, the first director I worked with was Chet Forty. And Chet, I mean, he really ran the show. That's changed over the years where, you know, it's more of a 50-50 type thing with the director and the producer as far as the overall show. It's completely changed, and, and you know, I, when I started directing NFL, I mean, I started in the studio doing the NFL Today, and then when I went over and started doing games in college or pros, the directors did everything. I mean, the, the producers at that time did no replays called, they, they didn't, they worried about commercials, basically, <laughs> and it was a director's job, it was a director's game. It got so complicated as the years went by and more equipment was added. It, you know, we all realize a director can't do it all. He can't call the graphics. He can't call the replays because he's concentrating on maybe now where you used to have four or five cameras doing a game. Now we have upwards of 20, 25, 30, 40 on a Super Bowl. It's an impossible job. In fact, when we have a playoff game or or a Super Bowl or a Final Four, uh, you know, Mark in our crew, he needs an additional person to help with replays, and that's where uh, Brian uh, Ryan Galvin, who's also a producer in his own right, on another crew, he joins us for the final four to help out because it's a massive undertaking. If if anybody in your audience has ever been in a TV truck and 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 sees the number of monitors we're looking at, it's just overwhelming. It's it's crazy, and um, sometimes. I even say, you know, maybe we, we're, we're pushing the envelope and we have too much equipment. I had a nightmare once doing uh, the Daytona 500 where we had so many cameras. I had a rolling track where my chair was on and be able to see camera one through to camera 50. I had to roll across <laughs> the truck and I was like, I, I woke up in a sweat. And that's kind of what it's like because, you know, you, you can't see it all at once, but out of your peripheral vision, you do see quite a lot, and you have to get used to that because there's even sometimes with our with our cameras that are locked. You know, they're just kind of um, they're robotic cameras, but they don't move. I'll cut to them blind because I know they're there. So I, on a free throw, I may go to camera 37, which I know is at the base of a stanchion, and I don't have to look at that monitor before I take the shot. Obviously, the cameras that are manned. Uh, and obviously, I've got to look at every monitor before I take that shot to make sure that they're they haven't gone someplace else. But um, it, it's overwhelming. It, it really is overwhelming. And I, I'm at the point now, like if I had to do another one, um, I would have to cut back on some of the cameras because a lot of the, the camera positions we have have become a little redundant. If you know what I mean? Yeah. I know that there's a great sense of accomplishment after every event. 
but I'm wondering about just favorite ones. And I know for you, it might not be, you know, the best game or something that we see as a viewer. I'm wondering what were your favorites as far as, you know, when you got done with a telecast and maybe even the worst one, you know, something that, that came your way that, oh man, that just didn't work out for us. Yeah, I mean, I can't go back in history and think of all those moments that I wish I had taken back. There's, I'm sure, listen, we're, none of us are perfect. I've never been perfect. Um, I put in a graphic Monday night, which I thought Mark had called for, but I don't think he wanted me to put it at that moment uh, between free throws, which had nothing to do with the free throw percentage of the shooter. So there are moments like that. I don't think the audience would really know uh, or care, but I do. And that was funny because I said to Mark, hey, I'm sorry about the graphic. It was almost a perfect show, but it's never a perfect show. So, you know, directors make mistakes, producers make mistakes. Occasionally the replay is not the best angle. Um, but through the years, uh, it's all the emotional endings that I will remember, and it's not necessarily basketball. I mean, I'll go back to the 93 World Series, Joe Carter's walk-off home run, Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding at the Olympics in 94 when, you know, she's got her skate up on the boards and her laces are broken and she's crying and, and all that drama that ensued. Mm-hmm. I remember a very emotional moment, uh, a uh, Baltimore-Denver playoff game in Denver, Ray Lewis's last game where he's bent over, obviously, you know, emotionally a wreck. Um, but on, in basketball, the great moments are the buzzer beaters and the distraught, you know, players on the floor who have just lost. And there's a ton of those I could go back and reflect on. The other one, I may have mentioned this a million times to people. You know, what was the what was the best ending? What it wasn't necessarily a buzzer beating shot like Keith Smart in '87 or or '83 NC State uh, or even um, in um, Villanova Chris Jenkins. What it was to me is in 84, uh, after 82, Freddie Brown of Georgetown had thrown the ball away and basically lost the game, and then Jordan hits the game-winning shot. Um, it was the following two years when Georgetown avenged the uh, loss, and now we're going to be national champions. And in the 82 game, Fred Brown came to the sideline, and John Thompson was hugging him and consoling him. And then in 84, um, they're clearly going to win the game, and and and. Coach Thompson calls a timeout to get Freddie Brown off uh, the court, and he comes to the bench, and John picks him up in a bear hug. I mean, he was a huge man. He picks him up in a bear hug and whispers something in his ear. Well, what he whispered in his ear was confirmed to me by Coach Thompson a few years later when he was doing radio. And I said to him, Coach, did you say something to him about, like, remember where you were two years ago? And he says, that's exactly what I said to him. So that kind of cemented a two-year span of a a shot of grief to a shot of happy emotion and those are the moments that that make any telecast special for me yeah and then this year you had a lot of memorable shots of coach k of course his last tournament as well and i know that you've gotten to know him and you were with coach k all the way through this tournament it really would have been something if they had made the final and then won it it didn't happen that way but they did make the final four so yeah. uh, i mean that had to be pleasing for everybody it was pleasing and i was sad i mean i don't root for anybody but i will make an exception for coach k we've been friends he's done so many wonderful things for me personally i've done uh, i've directed every one of his national championships and yeah there was uh, it was no mistake that we were with well, coach k 
away from the first weekend to the uh, to the last weekend. Uh, that's where we wanted to be. That's where CBS wanted us to be. And um, you know, he's a great, great, great leader and human being. And I love the shots of him. And you know, I even apologized to him. I said, you know, Coach, we're going to be all over you, and you know that. And I hope you don't hate me after this. <laughs> so <laughs> the shots of him going into the arena and walking off the floor, holding hands with uh, his wife, Mickey, to me, you know, it, 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 I have tears in my eyes, you know, taking the shot, but like understanding the impact of it. And, um, I wish him nothing but the best. I will see him again, um, down the road. And, you know, he knows that we've been texting back and forth and, um, you know, he did a very, very special thing for my family. I don't know if uh, you, you care to hear that, but it concerned my boys. And um, just to, sh- to show you the kind of person he is, that he offered them a walk-on spot on the Duke team if they could get in uh, to Duke academically. Wow! And you know, they were not. You know, they they were certainly not Division One players, but they could have played Division Three. And I uh, sent him a tape to see what he thought about their game, and he was very honest. And he says, "Hey, listen, they're certainly good enough to play a D three, but you know, if they can get in uh, to Duke, um, I'll put them on the team." That is unbelievable, and well, yeah. that's yeah, and that's the kind of person he is. Yeah, that that is really special. Uh, so to finish up, I, I know you're a big baseball fan and a big Dodgers fan. So what do you think, Dodgers this year? They, they look like they're loaded. Yeah, they're probably one great pitcher short. I worry about that. I uh, it seemed like Kershaw had a pretty good spring. I guess we'll see what how that goes. I think the. Uh, the Freeman uh, pickup was humongous. Look, if they don't win, it's, a, it's a, the season's a disaster. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> but you know, your team—they're pretty good, so we'll see. <laughs> uh, you know, and I—I I think uh, the Kimbrel uh, pickup was like, "What? Are you kidding me?" They get rid of Jansen, like then they pick up Kimbrel, and I, I like their chances. But again, you know, they could win a hundred games and not win the World Series. So uh, we've been down that road before, <laughs> and. Um, but I look forward to spending a lot of time on the couch um, watching the baseball package. And uh, uh, see, those are the things I can do now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you deserve it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Well, hey, Bob, thanks a lot, not only for coming on this podcast for a second time, by the way, uh, just for being a great friend. And uh, I always just cherish those moments of being able to work with you uh, indirectly, being up in the booth with Greg Gumbel. Uh, you know, we always thought that you were the best. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's it's always great to talk to you, Joe. And uh, you know what? Um, since one of our boys is out in in, in L.A., um, we could make a side trip to uh, to San Fran, and maybe maybe I'll see you at the ballpark or something. Okay. Yes, Dodgers Giants. That would, that would be, be awesome. awesome. <laughs> I, I imagine you have a connection to get good tickets. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Bob. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Joe. Thank you so much. That's legendary director Bob Fishman, who just retired with CBS Sports. Join us again next week for another edition of the Sports Virus Podcast. For now, I'm Joe Castellano. Thanks for listening on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.